Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had okay. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your host for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Tell me about your freaky collections. What do you collect? As of right now, I'm trying to become less of a makeup hoarder, but I do makeup tutorial TikTok, so follow me. Of course you're going to plug your fucking TikTok right now. So follow me at a grim look. I just hit 10K followers, so I'm like pretty much famous. So if you want to be in on the grim look movement. Shut the fuck up. Oh my God. I teach people that you can be hot and still wear makeup. I Mm -hmm. don't know what to do with it. I don't. What do you mean? Because I'm hot. I obviously don't need makeup, but I still think it's fun. You can do both. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Of course. But talking about weird collectibles, growing up, I lived about an hour from like one of the biggest flea markets in the world. It's right outside of Cincinnati. It's called Trader's World. And I think it's like something crazy, like 5,000 square feet or something like that. But my grandfather owned a booth there where he would sell figurines every year he would buy us a figurine for like every holiday every birthday whatever well i shared a room with my brother he had an obsession with dolphins <laughs> so the whole half half of my room was white tigers and the whole half of his room was dolphins his that is so late 90s i can't i cannot even it believe it absolutely was and i was always a little jealous of my brother's dolphins too because that's when laser cutting was really big and dolphin was an easy <laughs> shape to do so we had all these like laser cut dolphins Yeah, that's pretty much it. I used to collect white tigers. What about you, Allie? I didn't think I collected anything, but then Jordan reminded me. I collect weird shot glasses. And why say weird? I want it from, like, really weird places. So, like, when you take a shot at my house, my most recent addition is a Trans-Allegheny Asylum shot glass. Incredible. My favorite piece is a... (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a piece. Favorite piece to this amazing collection is my 3d looking shooter from the vatican so you can keep up the catholic alcoholism Ooh. and first oh, of all oof second of all i hope all of your shot glasses are 3d ally <laughs> it's so stupid <laughs> you're not stupid the but it looks 3d also fun fact only nuns work there no one else so you have to buy shot glasses from the nuns there and i used to in addition to this have a popener um which is a pope bottle opener of his face oh of course a popener and of course it was pope francis but pope francis did a crackdown on popeners i thought you were gonna say he did crack <laughs> yeah you also have a little crack spoon you screw his like hat off and it's just a little spoon that's something like lana del rey would sell in her merch store I would buy it. <laughs> yeah 
yeah, so now you can't get them of Pope Francis. He he cracked down on it. Oh no. Awful. Do you like ironic shot glasses? Because I would love to get you like an I'm over 60, but I still fuck shot glass. <laughs> hey, like my mug. <laughs> yeah. No, because it has to specifically be a weird place I've been. I'm very specific about this collection. What about you, Jasper? What do you collect? Rocks. Yes. I have a rock collection. It got especially bad when I worked at a rock and mineral store. The amount of rocks I just moved from one apartment to the next, too many. Too many rocks. I know this isn't like a really particularly interesting story, but I promise they're like really shiny and pretty. Mm, What's your are. favorite rock? That's an evil question. You have to have one. <laughs> I don't have one. They all have their merits, Allie. Get out. Okay, bye. I like the fossils you have as well. I do have some pretty cool fossils. I fuck with fossil rocks. Those are cool. Every time you say words, I think you're saying something gross. (laughs) I literally thought you were going to say I fuck fossils. (laughs) I don't like that. That's how we get fossil fuel. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) I, I I can't handle you. Jesus, I'm ending this conversation. We're starting the episode now. Today's episode is season two, episode 11, Playthings, the one where the boys visit Bly Manor. This episode was written by Matt Witten and directed by Charles Beeson and originally aired on January 18th, 2007. We've officially made it to 2007. Bad year. Was it? I don't remember, which means yes. Seventh grade. Oh, you're so young. I was a junior. Yeah, I think I was... You would have been a sophomore. A sophomore, yeah. Mm-hmm. In high school. Oof. Yeah, bad year, bad year. Oof. Yeah. I do like when we get the cold open of the... Was it like an inspector of the hotel? No, it was the movers. Oh, it was movers. Mm-hmm. He was packing up all the dolls. Yes. So many fucking dolls. Yeah. So many dolls. Outside of the dolls, I do like the immediate reference to The Shining with the two girls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the two creepy girls. And they're wearing like the school uniform-esque yeah. jumpers the whole yeah. time. Yeah. They, and this show really likes the Shining references. Too. Yeah. Seriously. And did you notice they're in room 237? I did notice that. Yeah. And then there's also the scene where he's talking to Sherwin, which is just like, ah, I remember this scene in The Shining. Yeah. The bar. <laughs> yeah. Even the bar looks yes. like The Shining bar. Yeah. Also, I looked this up because I was curious. It's actually room 217 in the book in real life. Oh, um, but they changed in the film so that people don't request the really haunted one. Like, so they know who really wants a spooky experience, Ooh. who's an OG. But yeah, I do really like a classic haunting. So this cold open really appeals to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's like nighttime and it's rainy and there's like the creepy dolls and the weird kids and ah. It's just perfect. Yeah, they set up a pretty good atmosphere, which I enjoy. And we've had enough of a break from like traditional style hauntings that this doesn't feel out of place. So that I do like out the gate. As a first time viewer, I am a little shocked because I was expecting a more immediate resolution to the Ava situation. Mm. But... I guess I'm gonna have to wait on that. Yeah, this cold open, it takes a lot longer, which I'm okay with. It's just, it feels different because it takes up more time in the episode. Like, I feel like we've had a lot of very fast-paced cold opens lately. Wasn't the title card before the check-in about Ava? It was. It was. Yeah. 
I thought it was a more traditional cold, cold open. Oh, I just thought, like, time-wise, it lasted longer. Oh, okay. oh I gotcha. I yeah, gotcha. the amount of time spent in this cold open. Like, I feel like some other ones, especially with the action shots, it's very choppy and sued. While this one takes its time to get to the man bleeding out on the bottom of the stairs surrounded by dolls. And then we find Sam looking at the missing poster for Ava. Yeah. Oh, poor little Sam. Poor little Sam. Sam. This is a sad Sam episode. We don't get a lot of those no. thus far. And, and I think it's a, a good one, yeah. too. Wow, that was a great observation. Good job, Jasper. It was a good one. It's a good one. But yeah, what did you think of Sam's whole perspective with Ava? I know last time we were talking about you weren't sure what to think of Ava, but they seemed pretty convinced that she was kidnapped yeah, I actually was incredibly shocked with that because, like, the whole point of the last episode was they were really building up that the special children were a vehicle of the yellow-eyed demon for him to, like, enact his plans, his evil plans. And so what I thought we were supposed to take away from that is that nice, likable Ava would have possibly something in the car ride had happened that would have brought her to murdering her husband. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we show up and they're not even talking about that. So then I have to think that maybe they also think that. But to address that, then they have to also address that this might possibly happen to Sam. Mm. So I think that's why. That's a good point. Yeah, they're like, it was definitely a kidnapping. It's good to see some character development for Sam here, just in this scene as well, because I remember in season one, Sam did spend a lot of time being like really moody and mopey while he was like grieving and really going through it. And I think Dean makes a comment about how he was expecting more of that. But Sam is taking more of this Dean method of dealing with stuff where he's like, nope, we're diving into work right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and they gave Sam a lot of levels in this episode, too. Like, he was very dynamic. So they get the job from Ellen, who is wanting to have them investigate. And that's kind of where Dean's like, I don't know. It doesn't really seem like it's worth our time. And then you get the Sam wanting to throw himself into work. Like, I need to save as many people as possible. They get to the hotel, which, like, even the outside of the hotel is just absolutely beautiful. It's so pretty. We love a Tudor-style home. Yes. And I know there's, like, a big deal made a little later in about, like, oh, no wonder this place is, like, going under. It's creepy and weird. But, like, okay, first of all, the maximalist aesthetic with all of the framed photos, all of the taxidermies and little statuettes. I love the taxidermy owl. Did you see that? There's a big white taxidermy owl. There's those really, really beautiful, like, late 19th century style lamps like the red ones with like the tassels and stuff like nothing was decrepit all i would do if i moved in was grab a giant box and throw the dolls in there and donate them like right it it wasn't like a place that looked like you really have to get rid of oh my god and the spooky lace wedding dress on the wall yeah like they're insane i i love it i love it i would i want to live in there yeah absolutely gimme And I will say for, like, a place owned by antique collectors, like, it could have been a lot worse because every antique collector I've met has, like, every inch of their wall just, like, covered to the brim. Like, it was... Right. As far as maximalism, it wasn't as maximalist as it could possibly get. It was not at all hoarder. Yeah. 
Yeah. And from the, like, antique collectors in my family, it's very much just, like, here are a bunch of random objects in a room. Like, yeah. this was, like, well curated and still place like, room to move around. It was beautiful. I want to live there. Someone buy it for me. <laughs> We're all like, who's buying us a haunted house <laughs> for us to live in? What a dream. <laughs> I do want to mention just quickly... As they're entering the building, Sam recognizes a detail in the planters out front, which I believe are the quincux. So there were a few words that were similar with similar spelling, but might be pronounced a little differently than how Sam did. This is a symbol that's gone back basically forever. It was on Roman coins. It's been used in a lot of different places, cultures, religious ceremonies, practices, but in Hoodoo, they do call it Five Spot, which he does reference. Yeah. And I hate that immediately we get the idea that Hoodoo's associated with blood. When he says that, like, you fill it with blood. Bloodweed. Yes. Yeah. But then when I looked it up, it was actually, from what I found, more so used at Crossroads. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because of the shape of it. Yeah. Yeah, that has such an interesting connection with all the greater things going on in the show and the first few seasons to me. Yeah, especially when the last time the narrative addressed Crossroads, it was centered around black stories and hoodoo Mm -hmm. and things like that as well. Mm -hmm. For as much as I'm irritated by the race stuff in this episode, as per usual, you know, (laughs) I did once again appreciate that they acknowledge that hoodoo is not a white culture thing, despite the fact that they then go on to suspect literally every single white person of being a witch doctor. Yeah, literally, like the phrasing witch doctor. Oh my gosh. Oh, so we just gotta, I guess, continue on with the uncomfortable conversations, because then they go in to actually check in, and of course, everyone's just gonna think that the brothers are kissing cousins. (laughs) (laughs) An issue that we see repeated, too, is not only, like, do we get the assumption that they're actually a couple, but then we also get, like... Anytime we got to mention, like, a gay person in a TV show, it's, like, has to be, like, a caricature of a gay person, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not someone who happens to be gay. It's you look the type to go antiquing. (laughs) So Dean did it for the wrong reasons. Because when he was like, what makes you think that? What do you mean we look the type? Yeah. I would challenge people to actually say that to microaggressions like that. Of course, he did it because he's like, what makes you think I look gay? Like me, Dean. But (laughs) it's like also being gay means I have to be into antiques. The one, like, little pass I'll give her is not as often do people who are not couples travel alone and, like, go to B&Bs in the middle of nowhere. So I'll give her that little point, but yeah. Well, and then we have the uh, butler come in and he's like, oh, you guys look like antiquers. I do like that (laughs) antiquers is just, like, one E away from having queer in it. Just a weird little observation, because I'm like, I wonder, like, if the intentional queer coding is starting this early. Can we start an anti-queers group? I don't like that it's spelled that just, anti-queers. Yeah, I was going to say, that's just <laughs> anti-queers. <laughs> oh, no, I started it. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Since we're talking about microaggressions already, we may as well talk about Sam's iconic call out. 
well, you are kind of butch. They probably think you're overcompensating. Yeah. Poor little Dean. I just like. <laughs> I love and hate this because yes, but also like... Yeah, that's what's so hard about it. But also, we're really creating a strange narrative around, like, the gay man in this episode. Because it's like, what are gay men? They're antiquers. They're butch. Like, <laughs> Which one is it, buddy? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Which you can be a butch antiquer. A lot of women are. True. Um, and they're all lesbians. <laughs> Only, only options. Only lesbians. I've only, there's only antiquers who are butch lesbians. Everyone else is in denial. Yeah. So if you're straight and have antiques, surrender them to us. We'll put a P.O. box in the. <laughs> a TikTok I was watching last night. It's uh, KR3 MKRI. He does all the ones where Dean tries to come out to Sam and Sam doesn't understand. Oh, yeah. Um, and very much, it seems like this Sam definitely fits in that world of yes. he would never understand. I disagree. I feel like this is Sam being like, oh. it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Like, That's don't worry about it everyone knows mm-hmm. just chill especially given like dean's face when he's like right like first of all he mm-hmm. doesn't like deny it but the little face journey he has oh. there where he's like oh <laughs> this isn't really working for the image i'm trying to project oh dear goodness <laughs> poor little baby and you know if he were overcompensating he'd be driving a pickup truck I don't know. I feel like the fucking car he has is very much in overcompensation like station. Hard James Dean like late beatnik car. Yeah. Kind of overcompensating. I think of those trucks that you need like stilts to get up in pro- basically. Oh, oh like, yeah. I shouldn't say pickup truck because mm. it's more so like just the mega truck in a city. So like his car but like high rise. Yes. Like lifted. Yes. I will say um just because they travel across America literally every day. I, that's, I think it would make sense they wouldn't have a truck, but... Dean alone caused global warming. <laughs> yeah, he's just driving his diesel truck <laughs> through America. Jesus Christ. But to back up... Yes. I want to say Sherwin, the cranky old guy, mm-hmm. fucking icon. Oh, absolutely. He's so fucking grumpy. Yes. He's like, oh, uh, yeah, whatever, the sale. Let's just destroy all this history, blah, blah, blah. Dragging their bags <laughs> and then demanding a tip. <laughs> fucking iconic. I hope that I have half that much sass when I'm that age. I want the sitcom life of me and him living alone in a giant old haunted house. So what you're saying is you're breaking up with Ben and leaving everything behind to go live with Sherwin. In a non-romantic relationship, yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. You know, just being clear. Bye! You're too nice, Sherwin. What'll make you cry on the daily? I don't think so. I feel like Allie would make Sherwin cry. Oh, no. no. I think I'd be like, Sherwin, you're so funny. Just like walk away. He's dragging all of your clothes on like the old dirty floor. (laughs) Fucking Igor vibes over there. We're going to like create a collection of people who should have joined the boys. We have like Sherwin, (laughs) Andy. It's a real fun group. Put them all at the roadhouse. And then we get this zombie man who's just waiting for his death sitting on the bed. He looks like... Oh, the realtor? Yes. He looks like... How can I say this non-offensively? You probably can't if you're having to ask that question. (gasps) 
Kind of. Like a black-haired Bill Gates. You know what also, the doll that represented the people who were going to die always looked like tiny Robert Smiths from The Cure. <laughs> oh my god. Like big, With their crazy hair. hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, tiny Robert Smith. Also, what a strange looking doll. He looks like a really conservative Christian man waiting on his wedding night for his new wife to get back from oh, the like bathroom. The, like they're from changing. a TLC show where they yes. didn't know how to kiss. Yeah. Yes, literally that. That Yes. I'm scared. Like, what kind of TV do y'all watch? Oh, I love my TLC shows. Jesus. I guess I shouldn't judge. I was just talking about my strange addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before the podcast, that's this true. This episode's sponsored by... TLC. Will people marry trains? Sponsor us. I like literally. We'll say whatever. Give us money. Yeah, no, they totally want us. They want to exploit us, sure. But as long as we're getting money, who cares? I want to talk about how cute the boys were this episode. Oh my god, they were so cute. Sam's butt. It's my favorite button down that he wears. (laughs) Yes, we love a denim shirt. Yes, and it has like a little bit. Is it like a white lining? Yeah, the white contrast stitching. We love love it. it. You just stopped the sentence, Sam's butt, and I was like, Sam's butt. What version did you see? I didn't see any man butt. Allie's always looking, though. Always. It's the cut of the pants and the fact that, like, he's so tall. All of his shirts, like, none of them fit correctly. They're all, like, a little bit baggy. So, like, there's really no butt to behold. It's hiding. We are lacking. I will say, speaking of his pants, there is Mm -hmm. one major complaint I have. They have a lot of downward shots this episode where it's like their ankles up and the way they're wearing those like thick boots and then they have those all-encompassing bottoms of the jeans that like swallow, it makes them look like they're wearing Crocs. I know they're not. (laughs) (laughs) They're ahead of the game in fashion. But like when Sam goes to jump in the pool in the end of the episode, it literally looks like he has Crocs on. And maybe he did because they're getting wet, but... Croc natural. Croc natural. <laughs> Crocs were around back then, but they were like... Were they around back then? Yeah. Yes, they, they were. they were not cool like they are today. Yeah, you got... I didn't think Crocs were like a thing until like 2009. The brand was around. It was mostly just used as gardening shoes. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because they look exactly like like kind of work shoes you wear like in a kitchen or whatever. Yeah, I just remember they were a thing in my high school. Also, I went to an Eagle Scout ceremony this weekend. All right. And all the adult Boy Scouts that were very old and very into ponytails and mullets wore the exact same jeans that the Sam and Dean wore in this. It's their but era. it's like almost 20 years later. <laughs> you know, Jesus. some people just like a relaxed boot cut jean. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did they all have the weird flap? On, on the hem on the bottom? I'm pretty sure. Of course like they, they did. It was... Of course they did. I looked over and I'm like... Salt stained is, and everything. This is mid-Ohio. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I love drunk Sam. Uh, me too. I love drunk Sam. He is such a mess. Yes. He is such a mess. I love him. Also, this is the only time I've really felt like Sam is his age. Right. Yeah. Because like, he's only like, what, 22? 22, 23, maybe. Yeah. Actually, not quite 23. He's young, and he doesn't always read as young. I think it's just Mm because the boys are, like, very tall. 
I don't know. No, I think like Sam is just reserved. Yeah. And because of the fact that Dean has his whole class clown ADHD thing he's always doing, it makes Sam seem mature. Yes. And the boys are like forced to be mature too, situation yeah. wise. So, yeah, this is one of the few scenes where he actually seems in his 20s or young 20s. Right. I just love him not just calling Dean bossy, but then calling him short. Yes. <laughs> More Dean slander from Sam. Yes. So many. It's so fun. So many slanderous things to say this episode. The craziest thing about him calling Dean short, too, is that fucking Jared Padalecki is 6'4". Yeah. And Jensen is only I think like two or three inches shorter than him. So like Dean is not short actually. It's just that Sam is gymungous. Yeah. <laughs> Sam is just tall in a different way, where even though the height difference isn't much, it feels like a foot. Like it does. I agree. There's just something about Sam that is like gargantuan. Like it might be his shoulder width. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked this scene. Drunk Sam was fun. And then they also use, like, a really fun moment to then talk about, like, a serious plot point. Mm-hmm. When Dean is putting Sam to bed, he's like, you have to look out for me. And then, of course, they get the sad line, I always do. And he's like, no. Like, if something happens. And that's kind of what my commentary from Ava was coming from in the beginning yeah. of the episode. Um, was this moment in particular here. We get to see how the guilt is, like, actively affecting him, even though he pushes it away. Yeah. I think it's a very human moment. I agree. And I think using drunkenness to force that to come out, too, was smart. Because people are fucking messy when they drink. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And because Sam isn't a drinker, then you can make it really extreme. The final scene is usually in the car, which makes sense because the car is their home. But occasionally it would be nice to have the final scene be in like a dive bar where the boys are just drinking together. I love that. That would be so fun. We can get a little bit more of this like drunken honesty from them because it's like the only way I can see them communicating. Oh my God. (laughs) And I also love that Dean then gets his turn to fuck with Sam the next morning when Sam's like almost puking in the toilet. He is puking in the toilet. But to keep talking about the scene where he's still drunk Mm -hmm. i think it was also a really good scene for dean as well i think it's one of the first times you see him straight up say that their dad is wrong yeah he calls him an ass and he said who puts that on their kid and dad shouldn't have said that he was an ass and i think he's only saying that stuff because sam is drunk and he doesn't think he's gonna remember it true but it's still it's nice to hear him say that shit out loud especially since we've been kind of getting a build-up from dean we have been able to read that he is starting to have a different opinion of his dad and i think with his dad being dead it's probably given him more time to reflect on that relationship i want more i want a big scene of dean cursing his dad at the wind it'd be a great scene and i hope i get that twiddles thumbs in (laughs) silence (laughs) yeah no comments (laughs) so after this scene is when they go into the bar and i just love when genres references itself because Mm -hmm. i want the person who's making my show video games any type of media i want them to be a fan of that media 
Mm-hmm. So even though The Shining, yeah. it's a big reference. Like everyone knows who The Shining is. It's still like really fun to like walk in and like have that bar with the old man standing there, and it just be so reminiscent of. Right, yeah. right. I yeah, I want to watch something and know that the people making it are also fans of the genre. I totally agree. And this is the perfect episode to reference it. Like some of the other times, it feels like they reference it just to throw it out there. Right. Um, but at least this episode, it feels so similar. And that's when they could really draw on these things. Right, right, right. Since this is the scene where Rose's childhood nanny Marie, the yeah. black woman who practiced hoodoo, was brought up. Allie, did you have something for that? Yeah, absolutely. I did want to talk about hoodoo in general, especially since I was trying to do the calculation in my head. I'm assuming the grandma being raised by the nanny would have been during Jim Crow law era before the civil rights movement. So not a slave, but when like slavery and racism and those tactics were still actively employed in a very similar way. So. In a similar way to slavery. Yes, yes. Just just to be clear. <laughs> but hoodoo, if you don't know what it is, it's basically from the southern United States. And in the U.S., it was categorized as a religion until the 1880s. But a lot of people who practice still see it as a religion. So I want to point out that this is still like a practice thing. And it was created by enslaved people who were brought here specifically from West Africa, like some from Congo, Ghana, and Sierra Leone. But hoodoo has changed greatly, and it's hard to track because it is a closed practice, but also because hoodoo was like a product of its environment and used by enslaved people and then people of color to kind of get money from white people and use like this practice to their advantage in some ways. So one website said that it became commercially marketed, modified, and fabricated. So it has changed a lot. I'm not going to go into the practices because I don't think I'm the person to share that information. But the Hoodoo Society had a really great website with different podcasts, books, texts, movies from people who are practitioners of Hoodoo. And I have a quote from them I just wanted to share. Hoodoo is a system of survival, adaptation, resistance, and reclamation. When doctors weren't accessible to black folks, Hoodoo was there. Before the Abrahamic God, Hoodoo was there. When black people needed to tap into their power, Hoodoo was there. Hoodoo disrupts, uproots, holds tight, brings near, and lets go. Therefore, participation in Hoodoo requires blood lineage to Africans trafficked to this land. And I think that's such a huge thing that's missed in this episode. Right, yeah. And we are made to assume, I wish I could even say like we're told, but we're not told. We're made to assume that this woman was close to her nanny. Yeah, what they say is that Rose was closer to the nanny than her own mother. Like she was practically her mother. And while some things may have been passed on from her nanny to Rose... It still is problematic to center those activities around a white woman. Right. It reminds me a lot of The Help. Oh my god, yeah. And The Help is written by someone who was raised by a black woman, basically who was their nanny, 
And even though she had that experience and was connected with this community in some way, that's not her story to share or the way to center the story. So right. I have a big issue with how they show this. And yeah. they use hoodoo. They say witch doctor. They talk about blood. It's seen as like evil and weird and they don't know if it's the villain at first. Yeah, and they also like have the really ham-fisted association with the creepy doll collection yes. to all of that yeah so i i think like what really bothers me is just like this white consumption of mm-hmm. the hoodoo not just in uh, like uh, you know the audience is consuming the media which is talking about hoodoo but like there's a very colonialist imperialist feeling to a narrative built around white people appropriating hoodoo Mm -hmm. for their own purposes to like protect a capitalist venture like i don't know about that it's not even the way it's connected offhandedly with you know cursed dolls and stuff it's like it's so tangential to the story it's very clear that they're trying to employ a red herring tactic but because this is like a huge cultural practice with a lot of bad stereotypes surrounding it throwing it around in such an offhanded and careless way is really harmful and they don't take more than like a handful of lines to address the fact that there's this barely discussed black woman who is the reason why this whole family is safe like they never talk about that with susan or with tyler after the fact you know, it's never addressed that their safety is directly tied to the enslavement of West Africans. But, uh, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? I have two big issues with this. Mm-hmm. The first is how candid it is. Like, they're like, oh, she had a nanny who was a Creole woman named Marie. Oh my and I'm gosh. like, you just got old black stereotypes just thrown yeah. into one character. Right. And then my second is, is like, I just don't want to see this show talk about hoodoo. because This show doesn't celebrate black people. Mm-hmm. This show actively treats black people poorly. And so it's yeah. definitely not the right vehicle whatsoever to even mention it. And I also don't like them using hoodoo as a magical hand waving. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a, we've seen it a few times now and yeah and i'm not gonna lie to you they they do throw it out when they're like i don't know what's going on hoodoo question mark that's just a throwaway line that gets employed throughout the series and it makes sense too because it shows like the white unwillingness to like educate themselves too so that's something that's yeah. repeated in this show because like yeah yeah, this yeah. Is literally their job they should be educated on hoodoo if it's something that could come up that much at least a bit or they should have someone that they can consult regularly about it who is an expert because like Allie was saying it's something that's tied to blood lineage Mm -hmm. which they're not a part of yeah yeah and especially like I'm sure they have other people they consult about other issues right so and even without the consultation to me one of the big things is just this isn't a story about hoodoo and then one person happens to be a white person who learned it from someone like it's centering around the white person and i've been thinking a lot about like underrepresented voices and so this is taking something from an underrepresented community and 
literally not even giving them a line, but only having a picture of this woman. Right. And the kid at the end as like a brief afterthought. And it's just so uncomfortable and takes away from basically any validity of incorporating these practices in the show or paying like respect on top of the fact that there's this appropriation of hoodoo here the whole story is centered around generational white wealth which it feels like an extra slap Mm -hmm. i i just don't understand why write it that way like if you're like i i feel like they were trying to do like a tituba kind of thing yeah but like I, I don't understand why not, if, if you wanted to have some sort of lineage of spell work, if you're going to make the main story so centered on whiteness and white wealth, why not make it like a descendant of Salem then? Yeah, it's so yeah, easy. Of to white do. witchcraft. And also then, this is skipping ahead, but we also then have the appropriator being the hero in the end as well right i don't know it's just bad storytelling and Mm -hmm. like we see this in supernatural quite a bit where they take these things and they appropriate them very poorly to try and throw a little bit of intrigue about something we may not know about and like if you're gonna do that you need to do your research and the other thing is like i feel like even if they wanted to do this it it still could have been okay if they took the time to acknowledge blackness and black heritage at all but they didn't also it's the crazy woman in the attic so not only is sure it's like well it's a white woman but let's also give the these problematic sure yeah 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 of course I just want to know, is this the second episode in a row or was this a couple episodes ago that we get a Sam porn reference? Just I'm like, why is Dean so invested in Sam's masturbatory habits? And just sex life in general. Yeah, like I'm at like, the end of the episode, he's like, could have got some MILF action. Yeah, I'm like, what in the projection hell is this? <laughs> like, leave Sam alone. He's cute. He'll get laid if he wants to get laid. Yeah. Also, like, you guys are always in proximity. You should have, like, an unwritten code. If you know someone's masturbating, like, don't make any points about it or... Yeah, I think with that, there's, like, this desire to make sure that Sam is having, like, a normal and healthy sex life that almost seems like a, a parental level fixation like not that a lot of people's parents are like go get laid or whatever but i think parents are more likely to be trying to check in and make sure that you're dating you're like seeing people in some capacity and dean is very invested in making sure that sam's situation even though it's crazy, is about as normal and stable as it can get given all of the crazy yeah, and I guess maybe it fits into, like, Dean's quote-unquote butch persona to, like, constantly be obsessed with, like, oh, men yeah. things. Oh, yeah. like, like I'm a man. I talk about sex and stuff because yeah. I'm yeah. crass. I think that's what they're going for. <laughs> I'm just, like, it's... I just wanted to talk about it because it is obviously a repeated theme thus far in the show. It's, like, uncomfortable, but I'm, like, what is their intention? as a writing staff and i think it's just to be funny Eric Kripke, let me inside of your brain yeah. 
don't want there. I want to know what's in there. I want to take it apart. I'm getting my snappy surgery gloves and I'm going to get in there. That's so funny because I would love to be telepathic with everyone else. And you're like only Eric Kripke. <laughs> I don't want to know what people are thinking. Please no. Rollo, you're just the loudest voice. It's okay. It's not that loud. Okay. It's all right. Did we introduce Rollo? Rollo is the dog in the background that you hear. <laughs> yeah, we're recording at Allie's house today instead of Jordan's because Jordan is having some major computer issues. Yeah. And Rollo is little, the little long-haired weenie dog hanging out in the background. Hear him being a slut. Being a slut. He yeah. is. He's being a little hoe. Yeah, so if you hear any weird little crunchy noises or whatever, it's probably him playing with some toys. Rollo, are you a slut? Are you a slut? Oh, he likes Rollo. <laughs> Rollo, are you a slut? Oh, yes, you are. You are. Oh, you give me kisses? Oh, you're such a slut. Oh. So there is... <laughs> there is one thing that I wanted to talk about just because it made me laugh during the episode. Hmm. So after Dean wakes Sam up, Sam's very hungover, they decide it's time to break into the family's part of the hotel and go and see if they can interview Grandma Rose. And so they break in. And then when they get up there, I'm like, this poor ass grandma. They have her, there's like this three-roomed hallway. And in the middle is this large room. There is not a single ornament or decoration in this room and it's just an empty room and then they have her in this like unlit tiny crawl like space yeah this like weird attic and i'm like what the hell are they doing to this poor woman what in jane air (laughs) exactly that's so funny you say that because i genuinely thought she was just kept in the attic and didn't question it until you're saying this and now i'm like wait what the fuck like you don't keep a like living relative up locked away with the dust covered yeah i'm like it's let her sit in the lobby and look out the window like you have like two guests like no one's gonna mind yeah no wonder she looks like she's fucking haunting and cursing the place yeah she should be (laughs) right and like sherwin is like oh they're gonna put her in a home or whatever uh it's probably gonna be better than having her stuck up in the attic yeah absolutely Oh, goodness. Where, like, mind you, because she can't move herself, she has to be in a chair. Like, how the fuck is she getting out of there? She's not. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, this seems like a fire hazard. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, goodness gracious. Poor woman. (laughs) I bet they're like, oh, mom, the ghost in the attic's talking again. (laughs) The mom's like, that's your grandma. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think this is also when the show lets us know that that sister Maggie is not actually her sister, but her imaginary friend. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. Which I should have known because no one would name their daughters Tyler and Maggie. Those names are in like completely different realms. Right. I did like this twist, though, as much as I don't like this episode. I think what makes it work as a twist is the fact that the mom, Susan, just goes along with it and acts like Maggie is there. Or, I mean, Maggie is there, but she can't see Maggie. Yeah. This is when Maggie starts to get really creepy, though. Yes. Because she was pretty much just normal before now, but now she's like, I don't like her. 
Yeah. About the mom. Pretty sure. Don't we see her actively messing with the dollhouse as well? We No, we don't see Maggie messing with the dollhouse. We see the dollhouse moving Mm -hmm. while Tyler is playing with some dolls. And then we see that outside. Yeah. And Sam has to save the mom. And he does a dive to save her with a broken arm. All these, all these crazy broken arm shenanigans. We got Mm -hmm. scaling walls all over the place. Yeah, it's like they amped it up once he broke an arm. Right. I do want to mention dollhouses because this is in so much fucking media. Yeah, I made that reference to Bly Manor Mm -hmm. because literally in Bly Manor, it's the same fucking doll thing. Yeah. Yeah. So dollhouses are from the 17th century or up 1600s. That's crazy to me. I'm surprised that it's that late. Yes, I think they mean like technical ones that definitely resembled houses more than just like a box. Gotcha. So like these sort of architectural yes detailed dollhouses detailed, have rooms and they would show adult status or be used to teach girls how to run a household oh yay yay gender oh of course grandma rose would have the exact yeah. replica of it then because uh but well, sam can be an avid doll collector only because wow. he's gay <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sorry so in the 18th century, so one century later, is when the houses tended to then take on the style of being an exact copy of the house gotcha. or manor or wherever. Um, and then in the 19th century, they became more of a kid's toy. Uh, you will, are also able to more so mass produce in some ways. And so a lot of it, the spookiness comes from it being like such a sanitized, controlled environment, but also all about child imagination and mystery. Like often children go towards mystery and figuring things out. Yeah. And I think there's something about the replica homes in particular and the figures that represent real people when you start to mix that with the child imagination can be really kind of weird. And these are everywhere. We said Blythe Manor, Beetlejuice, Agatha Christie was inspired them. She grew up playing with them. Sharp Objects, fantastic version. Twilight Zone, Doctor Who, Lovely Bones, Annabelle, Amityville, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Hereditary. Yeah, I was going to bring up Hereditary. Really? That's a really fun twist on them because she's making the scenes from her life into the replicas. I love that movie. Yes. Thank you, Next Music Video. And then I also wanted to shout out because as you're talking about Hereditary, how it's like the the aspects of life, um, there are ways people are using these now today. And this is something I've been obsessed with for a while. Have you ever seen the nutshell studies of unexplained death? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's like it was a photography series, I believe. But so Francis Glessner Lee actually made these um, and they use them to try to figure out unexplained deaths and this artist creates many versions of real unexplained death cases with all the detail and then they use them at universities and stuff to study and try to figure out how these people died that is awesome yeah it's pretty cool cool (laughs) look these up online they're absolutely amazing if you're into that type of thing um but i just love how these have been adapted and they're still so eerie but 
like all the versions I mentioned, so many of them use these in a new way. I feel like some stories, like doll stories, are often the same type of haunting. Um, but with doll houses, we get so many different great versions. At me with your favorite wrecks. For doll related content. For doll house. I don't want oh. dolls. Oh, okay. Jeez. I want the doll houses. All right. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Allie. You're just so full of information. Thank you for letting <laughs> me talk at you. <laughs> I mentioned before how what makes the twist with Maggie work is the fact that Susan just sort of acts like Maggie mm-hmm. is real. For Tyler's benefit, probably, she's like, oh, you know, my kid has an imaginary friend because she's stressed about her grandma having a stroke. But what's really interesting to me about that is that if Susan hadn't been pretending to believe Tyler, like if she hadn't been indulging that whole thing, the boys would have caught on to it so much faster and there wouldn't have been an attempt on Susan's life, probably, at least not then. And they might have prevented an attempt on Tyler's as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I I just thought that was a really interesting dimension the sort of like parent-child relationship between susan and tyler going on like that undercurrent throughout that episode like at what point do you stop indulging whatever weirdness your kid is engaging in and then you know how does that relate to potentially john and sam like how early did john realize that there was something going on with sam and could he have done something or talked to him about it sooner and then thinking again in the sort of parental way that dean treats sam at times yeah at what point does he need to or feel like he might need to insert himself I don't know the answer, but I'm sure whatever it is, John did it wrong. That I am sure of. (laughs) No, yeah, no, John, we hate him. It feels like he, at the same time, immediately stopped indulging and then always indulged because he stopped indulging them in like generic childhood things. Right. Letting them be children. But then at the same time, he like overindulged in avoiding talking about things. Like he kind of was too afraid to have that discussion with Sam and let him know what was going on. So I feel like so much with John is like a weird middle zone where he doesn't do enough and he does too much. Right. And this is another case of that. I totally agree. Yep. Fuck you, John. Yeah, fuck you, John. Papa Winchester, you're out of here. Yeah. It's on site. <laughs> Is that what the kids say now? Yeah. No, they say catch these hands. I definitely mm. see it's on site a lot more. With Jamie Lynn specifically. Oh, I don't know. I say both. Well, what do you know? I like, I like. No. <laughs> Sorry, dog. Dog started humping my leg. Had to, had to move. Had to move. So Sam had made a comment about needing to save as many lives as possible right? in the beginning of the episode. And within this episode, that is specifically what he does. He saves a mother's life. He saves Tyler's life. He's actively throwing himself in danger. Throwing himself literally, literally, actually. He, like, tackles Susan and tosses himself into that pool. So, yeah, it shows, like, again, continuing, like, the Ava thing. Just, like, a lot of, like, weird guilt that he's holding on to right now and how right. he's dealing with it in a very Dean-esque way. True. Also, I don't know how I haven't mentioned this. Susan is Renee Walker from 24. 
Oh, also, she is Lily Salvatore from The Vampire Diaries. Yes. She's fantastic. I love mm. her. The actress's name is Annie Wershang. Yeah, props to her. She does the read in this. Great in 24. I don't know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no thoughts. Just Annie Wershang. When they start to amp up the tension and they run through the doll room again and all the dolls are smashed. Yeah. That cracked me up so bad. And like in particular, there's this shot of like one a doll hand with like a broken doll eye, like a like the chipped porcelain face, yeah. but like the eye is intact and it's sitting in the hand and I just laughed so hard. I'm just like, what the fuck kind of like I don't know. I just feel like whoever put that there purposely was like, yeah, this is creepy. Yeah, I was like, were they going for like a poltergeist yeah. moment? It just felt really unnecessary. Yeah, like what is that actually doing like narratively, well, you and know? Like, they didn't need any of the dolls past the dollhouse either. Like it just really fell flat. But also these dolls aren't even like the size that would be used in the dollhouse. So it just like doesn't line up at all. Even the doll that's like used to represent maggie except for looking like the little girl with the curly blonde hair like what was its purpose in this episode scare factor yeah yeah i think it's just that like ooh, dolls are creepy i have a co-worker whose office is also in a literal closet but smaller than my closet office and she collects ugly dolls Mm. And people give her ugly dolls because she... Like the brand ugly no, doll or... Just dolls that are ugly. Oh. <laughs> is like even ugly dolls deserve love. And so this just makes me think kindly and fondly of my co-worker's closet office full of ugly dolls. Nice. That's just like your office it's full of them. It just seems like a weird place to keep all that. I'm really interested in when they go to save Tyler from the pool house. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the episode, there was a lot of emphasis on the urns, in particular the ones outside of the house as being part of this like hoodoo protection charm going on. And I I love that Sam grabs the urn to smash the window. So it's like taking it from this spiritual or metaphysical protection and then like literally using it to save a life like as a physical object that's a really cool detail who knows if that was the thought process there but my dumb ass my over analytical literature studies brain is like aha yeah it was it was definitely a nice detail mm-hmm I wish that same attention to detail would have been in the rest of this episode, but I liked it here. (laughs) Right. I saw this probably 10 years ago, and this is my favorite location ever in all of Supernatural. Really? Pool house. I can't tell you how obsessed I am with it. Have I had dreams that I'm in it? Yes. Oh, I can proudly say I've never had a dream about anything related to Supernatural. Hmm. That shocks me. I know, right? I guess I just spend so much time during the day talking about it that there's nothing left over for my unconscious to process. Mine is just this location. Like, I'm worried about you. I, I will never. The glass with those, like, the iron in between. Ugh. Give me that. Yeah. If I drowned in that pool, I'd be okay. Because That'd be I'd fine. Be like, mm-hmm. It was a great place to die. Aesthetic as fuck. Yeah, it's so fucking pretty. 
Also, can I just say, like, how the fuck, how old was that girl supposed to be? Like, oh my, 11? Like, and she's like, I don't know how to swim. Like, what the fuck? Who doesn't teach their kid how to swim in, two, like, in 2007? So I think she was supposed to be the same age as Maggie when Maggie died. And they yeah. gave an age. And I think it was something crazy like six. <laughs> And I'm like, you casted that girl right. as a six-year-old? That can't be right. I feel like they did. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. I just feel like they gave out an age for Maggie from when Maggie died as a kid. And I was just like, she's way older than that. But maybe the ghost is matching the girl's age. Oh, maybe they said when Rose was six, mm. Maggie died. Maybe oh. that's what they said. Yeah. And Rose was the younger sister. Yes. So yeah, so yeah maybe she could have been like 11. That makes sense. Yeah, especially like I do not believe that that girl does not know how to swim growing up in that place with that pool there because you better bet her mom was shipping her off to that pool all the time to like entertain her. I actually do believe it. Really? I work with teenagers and you'd think they all know how to swim and half will be like, don't get me near water. I don't know how to swim. But do those kids have in-ground pools in their house that they live in? (laughs) Right. True. But maybe the mom doesn't love her. What the fuck, Allie? <laughs> so doesn't what do you do? Well, they don't. She doesn't love her mom, so. Oh my god! Maybe it extends to the rest of the family. <laughs> yeah, she just shoved her mom in the attic. Like, so. uh, sorry, mom, you had a stroke. You're worthless to me now. It was me grasping at straws to be right. <laughs> just Jasper. What the face. fuck? What the fuck? I think the only other thing I have written in my notes is MILF action. <laughs> you didn't think about the sibling devotion and yeah, all I, of that? I, I didn't write notes, but I know I notated it. I didn't think about that. You didn't? Because that was like no. the whole point of that. Yeah. Was to mirror yeah, but it felt like, like that grandma shouldn't have given up her life for these people. They locked her in an attic. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. She should have gotten the fuck out of there, lived her own life, lived her gilf life. Oh, her my God. Life. Enjoying it. True. Before that stroke, she was doing some stroking. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan (laughs) sorry yeah okay here's my thing about that and I won't go because I'll do it with the rating but I just like we've had these like devotion storylines before and the last couple of episodes and so yeah I liked this one though I think that what made it interesting for me was the self-sacrifice aspect. So earlier in the episode, we have this frantic scene where Sam's like, you're going to have to kill me because I'm going to become evil. And Dean's like, no. I mean, he does promise that he will, but like, it's just to get him to shut up, yeah. essentially. And we have the reverse of that here, which is I'm going to give my life to make sure that not only is my family safe, but you're not alone like eternally deciding to be with someone forever even though they've done something terrible i really liked that this child is a demon she has killed so many people (laughs) no one should give up a life to be with her everyone should get the fuck out of there some capitalists brought the property take that bag go live your lives 
don't care if your mom slash daughter doesn't love you find someone who will whatever i thought it was i thought it was beautiful she forgave her for everything because she loved her that much well there was also the other layer to it but by forgiving her she also was protecting future people who were to come into that property and i kind of wonder how that could possibly parallel sam becoming evil as well yeah 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 I don't so, know. I know. I I thought the ending was the best part of the episode. Yes, I agree. I, I think the ending was the worst. Really? Oh my God, no. I think the last act was the best because we got away from all of that hoodoo stuff and all all of the weird homophobia and and we finally ended up with give away your life to live the afterlife with a murderous child who has never appreciated you enough well to be fair she's not even really a child she's like she's a spirit yeah exactly so i mean it's it's like her sister's soul yeah yeah and now your soul's not gonna pass on yeah, and she that's what I'm saying. She like sacrificed her afterlife to be with her sister. Wasn't worth it. Your daughter <laughs> locked you in an attic. Allie. <laughs> Fuck those kids. <laughs> I'm okay, I get what you're saying, Allie. Yes, if I myself was put into that situation, would I sacrifice my eternal afterlife for my brother? Probably not. Sorry, Austin. Sorry, Austin. And that is <laughs> <laughs> a viable way but i can appreciate someone who would i am so like literal that to the point where i'm like unless that person deserved that nah nice standing fuck you yeah no one got their uh their muffins their come up muffins their kermuppets i'm gonna have to post that no rollo back off no more ankle humping I'm going to have to post that outtake of us struggling to say comeuppance so that people are going to understand what the fuck that's about. I'll just have to make that super cut. But anyway, I also really loved, there's another line right at the end. The mom uh, is like rejecting their apologies for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And she's like, no, like you've given me everything. Is, is what she said. Ugh. And I, again, am like thinking about Dean as a parent versus John as a parent versus Susan and how your child is supposed to be everything to you. Yeah. But John is willing to be like, nah, gotta, gotta kill Sam. And like Dean's unwavering unwillingness to comply with that, even though he promised. I'm just bitter. Your child's everything to you until they forget about you and lock you in an attic. <laughs> Don't know why I'm so hung up on this. I'm gonna say one opinion, and it may change. That's that's it. No, you don't. You get zero opinions <laughs> after this. It's your last one. Because it's a big one, and I'm, I'm gonna, afraid it's gonna. It might shake people up a little bit, but people are us. Yeah, both. Tell us. <gasps> tell us. Tell us. I'm getting a little tired of every episode being about how devoted the boys are to each other, where it's juxtaposing how bad of a parent John is. Because <laughs> it's literally every fucking episode. I told you the ghost of John was going to haunt us. I'm just like, can we have one episode that isn't just like a 
weird allegory for the boy's relationship? And I know the answer to that is going to be no. (laughs) And maybe at some point, I will just get worn down enough where it'll become endearing. I will check in with you all later to let you know how I feel about it. I think you're just upset because it's continuing to be about John. And the second that the ghost of John becomes less present, you're not going to care nearly as much. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's just like a, some second season blues that I'll get over. Rolo speed's so good. Yeah, except for the fucking leg humping. <laughs> he looks like he's smirking. He's a little worried. <laughs> Rolo, are you a slut? <laughs> are you a slut? I'm a slut. so now that we've concluded the episode do you have any fanfic for us any fanfic wrecks yes and this one actually is a wreck and not just a highlight i cheated and chose a relatively famous one for this it's lenovo by muse away Summary, a routine haunting lands Dean in a historic hotel with his brother, a flirtatious cast lookalike, and a grouchy angel of the Lord masquerading as his husband. Obviously, I picked it because it's about a historical hotel haunting. Haunted hotels are definitely a thing within Supernatural fanfic. I've read a whole slew of them. This one is just my favorite. It happens to also be a crossover with, like, the really bad sci-fi channel movie that Misha Collins stars in, Stonehenge Apocalypse, which is why there's a cast lookalike in there. Oh. That's amazing. Yeah, because it features the main character of that movie, Jacob Glasser. (laughs) So it is a Dusty fic. The other characters are the main character of Stonehenge Apocalypse and also Sam Winchester. Additional tags include crossover, canon universe, fake marriage, fake pretend relationship, haunting, ghosts, case fic, jealousy, doppelganger, sexual tension, the glory of Castiel's season four hair, really spectacular interior design, first time it was a robot head. (sighs) They're looking at me like... I'm insane, but that's a reference to Stonehenge Apocalypse. Oh. Which is... I thought it was a reference to their first time. Oh. No. Very confused. Oh. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) This, like, contains some of my favorite tropes for fanfic. I love fake relationship fic. Really? Oh, it's so funny. It's always so ridiculous. The whole tension of, like, you get to pretend you're in the relationship, Mm. but you don't want to, like, seem like you're enjoying it too much because, ugh, it's just fake angst, you know? Oh, kind of like a Bridgerton style. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then, like, the countdown until the fake relationship is going to end Mm. and then not wanting it to. And (laughs) it's just fun. fun. But yeah, this one, when I say it's famous, it has like 27K-ish hits. We love a modern classic. It's from 2015, so it's a relatively old one. Which, you know, generally what that's going to mean is just that 
the way Cass is written is mm-hmm. going to be different. Mm-hmm. Like, more recent ones have more of the late series Cass Dilf energy going on. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> the older fic, it tends to be from before Misha Collins just decided he was going to get enormous for some reason. And so <laughs> there's, like, a little bit more of a twink vibe there. Mm. So it just depends what you like, I guess. Misha Collins is now sharing AO3 <laughs> general on his Twitter and everything. I just can't wait till we get specific recs from Misha. That's the next step. That in would this be evolution. nice. Just the other day, yesterday, mm-hmm. in fact, is when, or was it yesterday or was it two days ago? It might have been two days ago now, but it was when we hit 100K Destiel fix on AO3. Congrats, everyone. Pat yourself on the back. And Misha tweeted about it. Everyone was like, drop your bookmarks, drop your fic recs. And I saw someone joking around. They were like, y'all think he's going to post some kind of like 91 whiskey or like other Mm -hmm. like famous, really artistic, well done piece of fiction. Meanwhile, his ass is going to find some bullshit crack fic to drop like the the fucking bagel fic or like the haunted dildo or some shit. Like it's true. He's too chaotic for any normal kind of Rex. Like careful what you wish for. Just the level of chaos I want. What's Misha's star sign? Leo. Ooh, yeah. Makes sense. Like fire energy. He's a Scorpio somewhere, I am sure. All I know is that he repeatedly has been tweeting about being number one for like (laughs) two weeks. So I'm just like, Leo's. (laughs) Yep. Just proven he was the top in the relationship. So do we want to rate the episode? Let's rate the episode. Nice. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. I'm going to knock off, of course, points for homophobia, cultural appropriation, but also, while there were elements I did really like about this episode, is this going to be a memorable episode to me probably after I've seen 15 seasons? I highly doubt it. It's just kind of missing that little bit of spice. But I did love Drunk Sam. I love Sam in this episode in general. I liked the references to The Shining. Um, I love the hotel setting. Um, and I did like the last fourth of the episode I thought was just very strong. So three out of five <laughs> broken dolls. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to give you my explanation first. Okay. We already know you're going to... Uh, whatever, Allie. What do you think I'm going to rate this? I think you're going to rate it low. I don't know what you're actually going to rate it. Do you want me to guess? Yes. I would think maybe like a two and a half. Okay. Because of the misuse of hoodooism, the poor execution of a haunted hotel. I expected a lot more from a haunted hotel. Also, our best characters are the ones that are in there for like two minutes. Like, what's his name? Shrivers. Sherwin. Sherwin Mm -hmm. makes a lot more sense. Sherwin Williams. So I have a fair amount of beef of this, and I just, I'm going to give it one full bonus point for the pool. You're so so weird. (laughs) This gives me one out of five. Oh, wow. Forgotten mothers in the attic. Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Damn. I was going to say mothers who don't love you, but I thought that was a little. No, the mom, the mom loves them. True. Or the grandma. 
but she is a mom because she's a whatever it's complicated <clears throat> daughters who don't love you <laughs> yeah there we go that's that's the one what would you rate it jasper i think out of the three of us i liked this episode the best i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five taxidermy owls nice love it <laughs> something hits me really hard about the layered familial relationships in this episode plus they both looked so cute Mm -hmm. in this goddamn episode with sam's dumb little denim shirt and dean's dumb little layered henleys i just want to like pinch their cheeks they're so cute i love any moment we get them without their heavy jackets on right like oh they actually have like bodies and are real people right 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 they were like practically naked. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think will happen next? Oh, that's right. I have to do these predictions. Ooh, what is going to happen next? I'm going to call back to earlier in the episode where I said I want a big moment of Dean cursing his father to the wind. Because I think we're getting really close to like a breaking point from Dean. Because obviously his brother is all that he asks, so asking him to possibly kill his brother is asking him to kill a big part of himself Mm. i think we're gonna get back on the trail of the yellow eyed demon and the special children the special child's ability (laughs) will be to turn into a werewolf (laughs) and didn't you already this no 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 what you said before was it's a special child that's also a werewolf is what you said the other time yes but this time he's a special werewolf (laughs) and so um the werewolf is gonna bite dean and dean's gonna become a dean wolf and He's going to be like... Dean Wolf, airing on MTV. (laughs) (laughs) And Sam is going to have to now have... You thought you were going to have to kill me, Dean. But really, I'm going to have to kill you, but I can't do it. And then they find out that um, he's not actually a werewolf. (laughs) And then Ava shows back up. And it turned out that she doesn't actually have special powers. Her husband was just an asshole and she was just in killing him. (laughs) And then Jasper's going to recommend a (laughs) Dean slash Inuyasha fanfic. (laughs) And that's it for my predictions. Oh my God, Jordan. (laughs) Then I'll finally get my cum muffins. we'll talk about it holy crap part of me wishes you would have given a serious prediction but also feels good to laugh that hard i didn't give a serious prediction because i still like my predictions from last episode and i'm still waiting for those to pay off so we'll carry over until they gotcha Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTRSupernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Bye. Bye. Bye.